Hello and welcome to the SYP Oxford podcast. I'm your host Charlotte and this week I am here with uh, Amy Wong from Bloomsbury Publishing. Hello Amy. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you with us. Um, now I'm very excited because um, I'm going to find out some more about working in production today, <laughs> I hope. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about uh, your role at Bloomsbury, Amy? Yeah, of course. Um, so as you said, I work at Bloomsbury. Um, I'm a production controller there and I work on adult titles. Um, although I am based in the London office, I also kind of produce titles for Bloomsbury US and Australia. And I think when people sort of ask me to describe production, I often kind of describe it as a project management role with sort of these three main strands. So the kind of first strand is really all about scheduling and making sure books are delivered on time. Um, and by that, I mean sort of as when books sort of have a pub date, they sort of really need to be ready for distribution kind of a set amount of time before then to make sure that all the bookshops and customers have that stock ready to sell. And so it's really my job to kind of work out what date, kind of each stage of the kind of bookmaking process needs to be ready by. So that's things like when does the cover need to be approved, when does the text need to go to the typesetter, um, and you know, when do sort of design need to sort of confirm what kind of finishes they want on the cover, so that sort of thing. Um, and then the second strand I'd say is all about the kind of cost aspect and the budgeting. So I feel like it's often said that publishing is a business, which is very true. Um, as much as we all have books, like the goal at the end of the day is to make money. So for each title, I'll run what's known as a profit and loss report, where sort of the costs of manufacturing the book and all the kind of processes that go into it. So that's including like proofreading, um, permission fees, and also of course the printing. That's all weighed against the kind of projected sales like how many copies we think we're going to sell and sort of I need to make sure that that looks like we're making a decent enough profit and if it doesn't look like that then I might need to go back and sort of have a look at you know what we can do to make bring the production costs down so that might be maybe the designer wants like a really fancy cover so once it's a foil but maybe we can't justify that based on how many copies we think we're going to sell and then the kind of third aspect is really about the quality so we're responsible for kind of working with the printers to get our books made into physical objects and nobody really wants a book that's falling apart <laughs> so we have to make sure that kind of the books be so high standard you know checking the kind of advances that come in making sure there are no issues with quality um but i should probably also mention that i've spoken a lot about the kind of physical editions of books but i do also work on ebooks so like the digital side alongside that wow that's <laughs> a lot <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no no wonder i've had problems putting my finger on what production does uh it's always a bit of a nebulous department like people never really quite kind of i think it's a very behind the scenes role and so it's a bit of like mystery around it yeah i guess it's, it's exciting though because you you are the people that literally make the book happen <laughs> <laughs> um so that's yeah that's that's really exciting so as you said kind of production it's kind of a behind the scenes department how did you end up getting into production yeah so it's actually quite um an interesting story because at the time i was job hunting for my first publishing role i very much wanted to work in editorial i know it's a cliche but that's genuinely what i wanted to do at the time 
So one of the jobs I interviewed for was an editorial assistant job at a children's publisher in Leicester. Um, and when I went to the interview, interestingly, although I had, like, had done publishing work experience and internships, what came up a lot in the questions and sort of when I was thinking of examples to give when people were sort of asking me about my skills, was the work I had done for my student newspaper at university. Um, and in some ways that is what kind of got me into thinking about publishing as a career because the student newspaper is essentially publishing. It's kind of working as a team to create a printed project to a set time, like to a set deadline, to a set schedule. And so I came out of the interview and then sort of about next day or maybe like two days afterwards, I had a phone call from head of the company who asked me to wanted to know sort of how much I'd rate my InDesign skills because InDesign was one of the things I'd learned when I did the student newspaper. Um, so I can't remember the exact answer I gave. <laughs> I think I sort of, we sort of cautiously didn't want to kind of make it seem like I was an expert <laughs> in InDesign because that really wasn't the case. So it was a bit risky at that point, but obviously I was trying to sell myself. <laughs> so I was sort of like, you know, I do have this experience, but I'm willing to learn because <laughs> that's what I think a lot of publishers are looking for in their first role. And it was true. And so, after I said that, I was sort of asked, well, have I ever thought about working in production? Because what we want to do is often the like this kind of joint role that was a mix of editorial and production. And it wasn't sort of just specifically the fact that I had InDesign experience. Um, and I mentioned InDesign because this was a very small company. So a lot of the books were typeset in-house using InDesign, which is why that experience was important. But it was also because working on the sheet newspaper, I sort of had an idea of a sort of publishing process as a whole like not just the kind of editorial side of sort of finding content and refining it, but also kind of making it into a physical object. So those two things kind of led me into this dual role of editorial and production. I didn't really know what production was at the time. I think I'd spoken to like one production person before I started that job, which is a very basic outline of what it was. But then actually when I started that role, I sort of realised how much overlap there was between editorial and production. That actually a lot of things that I liked about the tutorial were also true of production and a lot of the skills were kind of transferable across both departments uh, and so sort of from there the role ended up kind of growing more production related um, amongst other things and that was when I sort of thought actually you know I'm doing more production, production is actually what I'm more interested in and that's sort of how it came about and then I eventually moved on to a role that kind of was just production. That's that's really interesting actually that you started out in a in that dual role of production and editorial because I don't know why but they aren't two departments I would think to put together like as having similar skills but actually now you've explained it that it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Interesting that you sort of say that as well because one of the things that has really struck me from moving from children production to adult production and companies of different sizes as well is how much production varies depending on the company and the role and so when I talk to my colleagues in academic production it may sort of have their equivalent role to my role is production editor and that in itself it seems to involve even more like editorial than my current job so they would work a lot more with authors than I do for instance. Yeah, so it's it's very product specific, um, I guess, if you've got, because um, I, so I used to work in journals marketing and like our production people probably did something that was entirely different to, to what you do because producing journals is very different to producing a book. So I guess um, there's plenty of opportunities for different kinds of production. Absolutely. 
Um, um, so what, for your job producing, producing books, <laughs> what kind of skills would you say that someone needed in order to do that job? So I think the main two, I'd say, are organisational skills and communication skills. Um, the reason why I mention organisational skills is because like, I work on a huge amount of titles <laughs> simultaneously <laughs> and they're all at different stages. So I think probably I'd say on average maybe kind of around 70 titles. It's going to vary. Yeah. But the thing is, when I say 70 titles, it's not like they're all at the same stage. So, for instance, one of them, we could only just be getting the text off the typesetter. One of them could be going to press in a week. So, like, that's why the organisation is really important. Like, they're all at different places, all different people. And often people turn to you to kind of work out where things are or what needs to be done. And also, with so many titles, you have to kind of be really good at prioritising which things are more urgent. And you need to be organised to know where things are and sort of what's left to be able to work that out. Um, with communication, I spend a lot of time working with both kind of external suppliers like printers and typesetters and both internal colleagues so like editors, designers, sales, and also they're not all based in the same country as well. Um, and so obviously kind of working together requires you to be a good communicator, to be good at building relationships. And sometimes you have to be quite tactful and sometimes you have to be quite forceful to kind of get you know a project done so there's like some different types of communication there um i would also say attention to detail and i guess that's where we're sort of seeing the overlap between editorial and production it come in there um for things like checking proofs or like kind of making sure that costs are correct or that you know like the kind of purchase order that goes to the printer has all the right details on so they'll actually produce the book you actually want <laughs> um and Having said that, like, I do think it is important to kind of not get too hung up on detail. Like, it sounds a bit contradictory, but I think there's that kind of like two level approach where you have to be able to kind of keep an eye on the big picture, but also have that kind of mind for the smaller detail. So a bit of a contradiction there. Um, I guess numeracy also for kind of working out the cost of a book. But I feel like people often get scared by that. But I promise you, it's like it's nothing too like complex. You don't have to know like, you know, like algebraic equations like I have a GCSE in math, I didn't like do math at A level. I don't know like a lot of what people call advanced math. I feel like I'm doing the quote marks, but this is a podcast, so you probably can't see that. Which <laughs> <laughs> um, is probably uh, a lot, but it's, it's more kind of like basic kind of like addition, kind of subtraction, multiplication, percentages, that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of it, I use a calculator a lot of the time. <laughs> um, I'd say on the costing, also negotiation can be quite useful in terms of, you know, maybe getting a printer to give you a low price, like maybe they're giving you a quote and you think, hold on, that's a bit too much. Can you go a bit lower? Or like negotiating schedules sometimes, like maybe you go to an editor and you say, you know, I need this tomorrow. And they go, I'm really busy. Can I have another week? <laughs> and there's a bit of negotiation that goes on there. And also, lastly, I'd say problem solving. So in an ideal world, like, you know, everything would go to press to the printer on time, everything would be perfect, there'd be no mistakes, the printer would, you know, have these perfect print runs, but it's not an ideal world. And I think <laughs> we all know that, like, problems do happen, you know, like, maybe you send a file to press, and then later somebody spots, you know, there's a typo on the front page on the title, and you need to kind of work out, okay, what happens, or you get a book back, and you realize that, I don't know, there was foil on the cover, but maybe it's like rubbing off. And so like things do happen that go wrong and it has to, you have to kind of be able to kind of 
you know, not panic and keep that under pressure and kind of work out a good solution and be able to kind of communicate that so that you don't spread further panic. And I suppose linked to that is that kind of idea of compartmentalizing different projects. Um, and I think this is something maybe I struggled with when I first started, but you know, something goes wrong and it was your responsibility is maybe the first instinct you have is that, oh my God, what, what's happened? What do I do? But you need to be able to kind of put that to one side and also think about all the other stuff you've got going on. So you can't kind of have like this tunnel vision. You have to be able to, again, that kind of links into the organization. You have to kind of be able to keep multiple things in your head uh, at the same time. Gosh, it must be so <laughs> in your brain. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how you cope with it. <laughs> um, and what is the favorite thing but favourite part of, of your job at the moment? So I think kind of probably the most obvious answer would be to see like finished copies when you've been spending like months looking at a book on screen. It doesn't really feel sometimes as real. So sometimes when you kind of, you've been working for like months with like a whole bunch of other people and you kind of finally have a finished copy in your hands, it's very satisfying and rewarding. And I think a lot of people would say that especially when it's been like a particularly tricky project and it's sort of like there's that relief and oh great it's fine <laughs> it's over it's good um but i think maybe sort of specifically about my current role one of the things i really like is really the range of books i get to work on so i work on adult books but that's a mixture of kind of like non-fiction so recently i've worked on the haunting of Alma building um and that can also be like a mixture of art history politics memoir but i also work on fiction which going to be like kind of fantasy like the Fantagenon book at the moment um and also like crime with the Raven books you do like a lot of fantastic work um and also but could be like literary fiction so there is really like that kind of huge range of titles and that's what I find particularly interesting about my job that's yeah that sounds so cool <laughs> um is there has there been a particular book that you've worked on where you've just been so happy to have it finally in your hands like at the end because it's had a like a, a stressful production process or something like that um i feel like the kind of diplomatic term we use for stressful is challenging <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> a nicer, nicer term but um yeah i think really the one that stands out is piranesi by Susanna clark um which came out i think in september i want to say september but there's always that worry when you kind of you put on the spot that's that's and, right I hope the pub date I got right, um, but maybe that can be edited out, maybe. Um, but yeah, so I suppose the most kind of book I've been most relieved or that I found quite, quite challenging is Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Um, and I say that, I think at the time I was kind of given it to work on, I was sort of equal parts, both excited and also daunted because I, I hadn't been working in sort of my current role for that long, actually, at the time it started. And it did feel like there was a lot of pressure at the time because it was like, it is one of our lead titles for this year. And obviously, Susanna Clark, her last book was years ago. And so it was like a quite an anticipated book. So there was a lot writing on it. Um, I say challenging partly because I suppose the cover is one of them, um, designed by David Mann, who does a lot of wonderful design work. Um, so again, I feel like maybe a podcast is a bit difficult to kind of convey this because it's a very visual thing, but basically it had a foil like actually on the board in this quite intricate pattern, like kind of pillars. So like very fine detail. And then on the kind of actual cover, again, it had a lot of fine foil, like these kind of waves it had embossing. 
and also like embossing so it had like this kind of fawn creature and the embossing was sort of put on the fawn in such a way that it was sort of I think just the leg so it sort of gave it this 3D effect um, and it also had a spot UV as well um, and there was a lot of debate about kind of what lamination would be put on it so that in itself was tricky um, and because also, as I mentioned before, I, I kind of don't just work on books of Bloomsbury UK. So we also had a US edition and we were also doing a kind of printing for Australia with our Australian printer. And of course, just like three printers you've got going on there, a UK printer, a US printer and an Australian printer, all of who have different kind of capabilities and kind of materials available. So actually across all three, although they have the same cover design, they all use kind of slightly different materials to get there. Um, and so we had to kind of test the cover in advance and I suppose, so that's like the kind of physical side, but also what made it tricky was the schedule in that we were going for kind of simultaneous publication across all our kind of countries, um, which meant there had to be a lot of kind of coordination between our UK team, our US team and our Australian team. Um, and also, I guess, special editions, again, was the other complicating factor. So I think we had something like maybe like balls kind of special. Uh, we had four editions in the UK, I think, kind of three specials, and they also had kind of signed tip-ins, which had to be printed in advance, kind of sent to the author, returned back to the printer, signed to kind of meet up with the rest of the book. Um, and then we had um, a special, I think, three special editions in the US <laughs> as well. So that was four editions in total. <laughs> so it was a lot of kind of like coordination to kind of lay them all out and make sure they're okay and of course sort of around the time that things were sort of like kind of edging closer towards the kind of date where everyone's been printed that was sort of when we were in lockdown <laughs> and when we had to sort of like work around that and also like you know obviously our printers were affected as well so it was timing i think that was kind of i think one of the most challenging probably the most challenging project I would say I've ever worked on but I think that's what also made it the most rewarding to kind of see it you know finally be out and it is a fantastic book as well in terms of the content like I would highly recommend like everyone reads it um so yeah that I think will always be kind of one of the kind of key standout <laughs> titles in my production career. I mean that just sounds like a whole lot of stuff that's not ideal all coming together <laughs> Um, but I mean, I've, I've seen that book and it is a gorgeous book. So <laughs> definitely seems to be worth, worth all the stress and all the, all the time that you spent to get it just right. I think that's probably one of those examples where like, it was just a tricky book from the outset. Like it wasn't that anything went wrong and I actually don't really know what point I am making here. <laughs> if I'm honest, so I would probably just <laughs> yeah no I, I know what you mean it's like <laughs> the, the plan was complex to start with it wasn't <laughs> that anyone did anything wrong or anything like that it was just a challenging project um so what advice would you give to anyone out there who is uh looking to work in in publishing or and specifically working in production yeah um so when I think about this, I think some of these tips are, I think, common to most departments in publishing. But I think the first one I would say is to kind of make sure you read the job advert carefully. Uh, and it sounds very basic, but from what we were sort of saying earlier, like 
production does vary quite substantially depending on what company <laughs> and what role you're working on. So for instance, I personally at the moment only work on mono books, so books that have just black ink inside them. So like a novel is just kind of black text compared to like say a cookbook, which has a lot of like colour images. And those two kind of require different skills, um, which I should point out, it's kind of obviously at entry level, you don't necessarily need like to know everything right away, but that might impact sort of maybe where you go on from there or kind of what you'll actually learn from the role. Uh, and again, like some companies might have a more digital focus um, and, you know, at a bigger company, you might kind of outsource a lot of the kind of processes, whereas in a smaller company, you might find it's more sort of hands-on. Um, and that, again, affects kind of what skills you'll need. Um, so like if you're working at a small company, it might be more likely that you'll need, say, in design experience. Um, I think the second one, I'd say, is sort of be clear about why it's production you're interested in. Um, and like, I think it's important to keep an open mind when you're looking for a job in, in publishing. But at the same time, you need to be able to convince the company that you're not just going like, to switch or like that this is the part that you want. So if you say something like, you know, oh, I love, I really want to find new authors, then that's not really going to work in production role because you're not responsible for handling submissions. Um, it's linked to that. I would say sort of think about the physicality of books. Like books are like stories, but also they're a physical product. And so I remember sort of when I was preparing for interviews, I actually used to go into like bookshops and just kind of like look at different books and not just like finishes, um, although they are important, um, but also like the actual kind of paper. So like, I think I should mention briefly, like if you look at a sort of high-end sort of like a cookbook, which is like quite expensive or like a kind of photo book, that will have like very kind of glossy or like thicker paper than say a mass market paperback who send it a different customer. And also like say things like the text design. And I think that's something like, I mean, I suppose it's quite a generalization, but sometimes I think people forget some of like maybe like less glamorous parts of production like I think it's really easy to get swayed by you know like kind of fancy finishes and that is a really fun part but it's not just about that like there are more aspects to the kind of book than just the cover that production has to kind of take into consideration and I suppose feeding on from that it is useful to have a basic understanding of kind of what production is and how it fits into other departments um, and again I should be prepared as well with it it's not that people expect you to kind of go and train into you or, you know, go into a job application knowing every single thing, but just at least to show that you've kind of thought about it, you know, and that you have considered it. Um, and I suppose the last thing I would say is to don't worry if you don't sort of have production or publishing specific experience. Again, I'm for the purposes of the fact that this is a podcast, I'm doing the quotation mark thing <laughs> again. Um, I think people get like hung up a lot on the kind of idea that you need a lot of publishing experience to get a job in publishing and especially with production in that it I would say is one of the most difficult departments to get experience in but kind of think about skills that are transferable um so like I spoke earlier about kind of the student newspaper um and that itself was not a publishing specific response for experience but really what you're looking for is kind of the stuff that shows that maybe you sort of handled a project or so like maybe you've run an event for like a university society, um, things that show, you know, admin skills and maybe office skills, you know, being receptionist, um, that's good for prioritization and anything really involving communications or customer service jobs like in retail, for instance. So yeah, I guess that would be my last kind of tip, like 
don't feel like you need production publishing specific experience. That sounds like great, very helpful advice there. Thank you so much, Amy. Um, and thank you for thank you for joining us. It's been it's been lovely speaking to you. Yeah, and again, thank you again for having me. I hope I've managed to impart some <laughs> useful words of wisdom. Yeah, I definitely know a lot more about production than I did before I spoke to you. So I'm hoping that everyone else everyone else does too, and we can get more people knowing about uh, the wonderful world of book production. Thank you for listening to this episode of the SYP Oxford podcast. It's been uh, lovely to have you with us and hopefully we will see you all again very soon. Don't forget to check out SYP Oxford on Twitter at SYP underscore Oxford and on our Instagram as well, where we have some great mini book reviews to give you some reading inspiration while you're in lockdown. To keep up to date with all things SYP, please sign up to our newsletter on the SYP website at thesyp.org.uk. Can't wait to see you guys again soon.